I can already tell this is going to be the rowdy service, which I love. If you're sitting next to a rowdy person, raise your hand. Yeah, I can tell. It's not good. You, you start, listen, you start feeding pastors energy, we can talk forever. But don't let that make you get quiet. Don't let it scare you, right? It's so good to see you here in the house. Listen, we're so glad you're at the gathering. Um, we are doing a series called Under Construction. And um, I just want to, before we jump into this, this fourth week, just kind of make sure that if you're here for the first time, you kind of will give you a little a running start, right? Kind of catch you up to, to where we've been. Um, we give everything a big idea here. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not as good, but we try to give everything a big idea. So you can kind of, it's like a, how many of you have coat racks? You hang your coat up or you have a hat rack. You're, if you wear hats, you, you, you got to have somewhere to put stuff, right? I, I don't wear hats, so I don't, my hat rack is like this, right? Wherever it lands, that's the hat rack. But it's good to have hooks, like stuff to hang things. And so for us, that's what big ideas are. You know, I was raised in a church. I went to like two or three, four services a week, would hear all these amazing messages, never remembered any of them, right? Isn't that the story of church people? So for us, a big idea is just kind of our admission that that's just the way people are wired. And so if you can remember this one statement, it helps you kind of, it's, a, it's just a place to hang your hat, right? So for the series under construction, the big idea for the whole series is that when God is the builder, there's always hope. Now, I don't know if that resonates with you or not, but I need hope. So when God's the builder, there's always hope. Now, all of us are at different stages of construction, right? Most of us are somewhere between the beginning and the end, although there are a few people, and you may be one of them, who are convinced that they're perfect, right? Now, you're lying to yourself, but some people are like, no, I'm good. I'm constructed. I'm, I'm the Taj Mahal of construction, right? Um, but all of us are usually at some, we're at some place along that spectrum. So here are the stages that we're talking about. We're taking five weeks to talk about under construction. We're kind of using the building of a house as the metaphor. So if you weren't here, here's, the, here's what you missed. Week one, we talked about the blueprint. You got to have a blueprint. If you're going to build a building, you got to have a blueprint. I've only built one house in my lifetime, I mean, as an adult. And so, and I, I didn't build it, but we had plans, right? And so the, we gave those plans to the builder. Because he had the capability, or she in that case, to build that and it not fall down. If I was the general contractor of a house and I built it, I wouldn't want my kids to go in it, right? I mean, I don't know if it would stay up. So we talked about how God is the master builder. He's got the blueprint. He's got the plan. And the best move we can make before we ever start construction is just give him the plans, right? Trust him. Week two. We talked about the foundation. You know it's good to have a plan, but you've got to have a foundation. Um, construction people, you would call that pouring the slab, right? You're like, I don't know, syrup? <laughs> Those are the non-construction people, pouring the syrup. Um, pouring the slab, right? And so you pour the slab of concrete, you get it good and, and firm. And a lot of times what you hear people say is that the Bible is the foundation. And it's true that the Bible is truth. But I thought Jason did such a great job in that second week using Matthew and then using Psalm 119 to show us that it's not just the word that's the, that's the foundation, but Jesus said that it's the people who hear the words and put them into practice, that's what builds the foundation. So it's the obedience to the word of God that just is a strong foundation. And then last week, we talked about walls. It was a little bit strange. Um, we talked about how Wendy hates cookie-cutter homes, right? She hates them. She loves them to be unique. And so it's, every house has walls, Right? Well, unless you're in a third world country. But in America, every house has walls. 
but it's the, it's the way those walls are shaped and how many walls there are. That's what gives houses the distinct look, right? So cookie cutter would be every house looks the same. But we talked about how God, he's kind of got a unique place for all of us. Even as a church, we talked about last week some of the unique things in our church um, that we have right now. One is, you know, I mentioned last week, we love having kids in worship. And we recognize that what that means is in that really, really, um, that moment with Jesus, right, when Jennifer's just, she's nailing it, and the, the keyboard holds the note, and it gets really soft, and we're just like right at the throne room at that point in our church. Some kid's going to be like, Mom, give me some candy, right? And we, but we recognize we just value that. Now, it doesn't mean that someday that that wouldn't change. It could, but if it did, it would just mean that we have to knock a wall out and redo the wall, right? But for us, that's a very unique thing that we love. We're in downtown Albemarle. There's only a handful of churches that meet in downtown Albemarle. We're one of them. We believe that this is where God put us. This is our place. So last week, we said that when we accept our place, we advance in power, right? Once we accept it, then he's like, okay, now I can move through you where you are. We can advance in power. So that's the recap, okay? You got that? Today, we're going to talk about wiring, all right? So after you got, the, you got the blueprint, you got the foundation, you build the walls, the next step, you know, this is like whenever you're doing construction, it gets dried in, right? The roof is on top, and they can do stuff on the inside. You got to run the wiring in the walls. Now, my lawyers have told me to tell you this. I don't really have lawyers, but it sounded cool to say. I'm just a preacher, Right, I'm just a guy that reads the Bible, and I'm going to tell you stuff that I see in the Bible. Do not take anything that I say as gospel about electricity, okay? So if you need, um, don't go home and build your house and wire it because of things I said. See somebody like John Ball, who's a retired electrical, electrical engineer. Find an electrician. I'm just going to tell you the way I see stuff. Don't, don't go build your house. I'm kind of half joking, but I don't want somebody to go, well, I did what Paul said, and now my house burned down. I know, but I'm just preaching, right? I'm just a preacher, all right? So when it comes to wiring, what do we mean by that? We mean, we mean the systems, okay? Um, systems aren't a bad thing. It's the, it's the invisible things that allow life to happen. So in your home, when you go home today, you flip on the switch, lights are going to come on, we hope, Right? Unless it was yesterday in Albemarle. Um, we hope lights will come on. And when they do come on, the reason that they came on is because there's a system behind the walls that you don't even see. It's like in your body you have um, a cardiovascular system, right? If you, you may not be aware that you have one, but if you're not a runner, go run a mile, and you'll be aware that you have a cardiovascular system. And so will everybody else because they'll hear you trying to use yours. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about. Right? You have a nervous system in your body. Um, these synapses and electrons, they're all firing and stuff, and, sending, and their nerves are sending signals. Like, these are all things that we hopefully don't see. We don't want to see your nervous system, and we don't want to see your cardiovascular system. We like it to stay in your body, right? But it's there. It's there. That's what we mean by, by wiring, okay? Does that make sense? So let me give you your big idea, and then um, I'll, I'll just kind of pick it apart, and it'll hopefully make sense. Now, you know I love, to, I love poetry, and I always make these things rhyme, and sometimes they seem really cheesy, and, and then I always want to share them with you, and then, like, when they do rhyme, and I think they might be cheesy, I feel this great, like, dread. Like, I'm going to say it, and you're all going to be like, ugh, right? But I feel like you're going to love this one. I feel like you're going to love it. Are you ready? If we want the fire, we've got to run the wire. 
Okay, yeah, that, mixed reviews on that one. I felt, I felt, anyway, let's just move on. If we want the fire, we've got to run the wire. Now, by fire, I mean power, okay? If we want the power, we've got to run the wire. We've got to put the systems in place. So let me just break this down into two parts real quick. Uh, there's two parts. This One is our part. Our part is the system, okay? Our part is the system. It's um, placing the wire. We've got to put the wire in place and here's what I thought about when I was um, considering that. Different houses require different types of wiring. Have you noticed that? If it's a smaller house, it's got a certain set of wiring plans. If you, like a, a two-story house, uh, you know, some 3,000 square foot, 5,000 square foot, whatever. Your different sizes require different wiring. And this is one of the reasons why, and this is going to sound like life coaching, but it's not. I promise we'll get to the Bible. This is one of the reasons why organizations and churches struggle at certain growth points because the wiring that got you to a certain level isn't the wiring that you need to get to the next level. And so everybody's like, well, I liked it better when it was whatever. Have you ever noticed how everybody wants something new until they get something new? Like I, I found out that I wear something called dad jeans. I didn't even know there was such a thing. There are things apparently called dad jeans, and apparently I'm wearing them. And Parker shared this wisdom with me right before he went to college. Thanks so much, son, for building me up and then leaving, right? I will say this. I have got some jeans that um, they are so baggy, and they are, I mean, just, they're just I could fall out of a plane and I would land safely because the air would go in the bottom and blow them up, right? They are so, they're so dad jeanish, but they're so comfortable. And when Wendy washes them and I put them on, they're so not comfortable. Like it's like, but I used to could wear these and it's because they're fresh and they're uncomfortable and they're, they're new. Buy me a new pair of jeans, the exact same size as my old jeans, and I don't want to wear them because they're uncomfortable. Listen, when you change wiring, and we will always change that. When you have to change the wiring, that's uncomfortable. We're not actually supposed to enjoy that, okay? But we have to do that. We have to change the wiring so that we can grow and be at different places at different stages. That's our part. God's part is the spirit. God's part is to power the wire. If we place the wire, he's got to power it. Now, this is really important because sometimes I think we get caught up in ourselves and we think, well, I created the power. I manipulate. I made it happen. See, we never want to be a church that, you know, I walk up to, to the worship band in, in, in the middle of like after that first song. I don't want to be the guy that walks up and goes, man, the people are really not into it today. Pull out their favorites. That just feels like, well, we can make it happen. We don't control the power. Any more than when you go to your house and flip the light on, the switch on, and the lights come on, you, you turned it on, but you didn't make the power. That's happening at Duke Energy or, you know, City of Albemarle, someplace that's charging us way too much for that, right? Yeah, I got an amen on that part. Yeah. Uh-huh. There, we don't create it. We just use it, right? And so we never, we don't, we cannot control the Spirit of God. We don't want to. We sing that song all the time, put a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control, right? 
So we're not saying, hey, we're going to design a system to control that. No. Our part is to run the wire, place it. God's part is to power it. So if we want the fire, we got, we got to run the wire. If we want the spirit, we got to put systems in place. I'm going to make three statements, and then we're going to, be, we're going to wrap it up. Okay, here we go, three statements. These are fun. Number one, a system without the spirit will shut the house down. A system without the spirit will shut the house down. Here's what I mean by that. We could have the best system as a church. I mean, we could have the, the best people in the best places, and we could have, like, you know, you come to the gathering the first week, and we've already got you in Discover the Gathering, 1D, 2D, 3D, and you're a member, and you're serving. and We could have all that, the best systems, but if there's no power, that's like a house with all the wiring, but it's got no power. And people will not stay there. It will shut the house down. Now, this is Scripture. Okay, I want to read this to you. First Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Just listen. To, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He's giving him some pastoral advice, and here's what he says. Realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be, listen to this long list, lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. All the parents were looking at their, their, their preteens and teens going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hold on, preteens. Your, your mm-hmm's coming. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. All the teens are like, mm-hmm, Right? Without self-control, brutal, haters of God, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I got a real quick non-trick question for you. Answer out loud. Was that a good list or a bad list? Bad. That's a bad list. Now, this blew me away. What I'm going to share with you right now, this blew me away. Okay? Here's the next part. Holding to a form of godliness. Now, here's what that means. He's not writing about them. He's not writing about people who are bad because they don't love Jesus. Because I don't know about the people in your life, but the people in my life that don't love Jesus, they don't hold on to a form of godliness. They don't care about godliness. He's talking about us. He's talking about church people who could have a form of godliness, but be filled with all that stuff on the inside. And what he says is just a form of godliness, and they deny the power. Avoid such men as these. And those are strong words. And that's what, that's what a system without the Spirit looks like. No power. And it'll shut the house down. You know why? Because you can't live in that. I mean, yesterday, half the, half the county lost their power. Have you ever noticed that whenever you lose power, it's always in the middle of something really important like cooking? And you're like, what are we going to do now? Mexican. That's the answer, right? Always Mexican. Always. They're like, why are y'all here again? Power's out. Really, your kids just went and flipped the breaker, right? That's all they did. It's like, take us to Mexican. It always goes out in the worst possible time. And when it goes out, whatever you're doing, you can't do. And so you leave the house to go somewhere else and do it. 
Listen, I don't want to be a church that has great systems and no spirit of God. It'll shut the house down. We can look the part, but still be living apart from the power of God. Now, you know, every week we're showing testimonies, right? And we try to match these testimonies up to what we're talking about. And this morning's testimony is, um, is, is Cody Teague's testimony. He's right here in service. And it so lines up with what we're talking about right now because you're going to hear him say the testimony that he, he, was, he raised, was raised in church. Like, it, you, can, you can look the part but not be living in the power. So I want you to just watch the screen, listen to his testimony, and just see living proof of what we've been talking about. That's good stuff. I think uh, the reason why C- Cody struggles so much is because he's a Patriots fan. <laughs> Burn the house down, right? Such a good testimony. Just, just again, living proof that what we're talking about. You can, you can have all, you can have all the appearance. You can look the part, right? And if you don't have that power, life change is impossible, right? It'll shut the house down. Here's the, here's the next point. Uh, the spirit is the opposite. The spirit without a system will burn the house down. Listen, the spirit without a system will burn the house down. Um, let me give you a couple, a couple of examples in Scripture. First, uh, the entire book of 1 Corinthians, the entire book, right? Paul's writing to a church that is a wildfire of the spirit, right? Now, it's good. It's good to have some wildfire from the spirit, but they're just like, it's chaos, the Spirit is burning the house down. They are ignoring people who need stuff. They are going crazy with spiritual gifts. And the entire book of 1 Corinthians was written by Paul to help them understand how to operate in all of that. That's a system, okay? Again, systems aren't bad. They're good. How about Acts chapter 6? We all know about Acts chapter 2, right? I mean, Pentecost happened. Jesus said, Acts 1-8, when you receive the Spirit, you receive power. So after that took place in Acts chapter 6, like there's so much power going on, there's so much spirit going on that there's a whole group of women who are not even getting fed. And they kind of raised their hand and went, hold up, like we're getting ignored. And so the church had a crisis, and their answer to the crisis was a system. They said, pray and choose men full of the spirit and put them in charge of making sure that the women are fed. And so they did. That's a system. Listen, if you're um, of the Pentecostal persuasion, uh, I was raised Pentecostal, right? If you're of the Pentecostal persuasion, we could tell story after story all day long about people that we've seen running wild in churches, claiming to be full of the Spirit, but apparently unable to display the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, Right? Now, I'm not trying to shut that down. I'm just saying that if you have all spirit and no order, you will burn the house down. And that's not God's plan either. So here's the third point. This is the best one. A system with the spirit will raise the house up. Now, I've got to give some credit to a pastor that you'll eventually meet because I'm going to have him come and train our leaders and our workers in this. I heard him, I heard him a couple months ago, and he was sharing this with um, some of the group of pastors, and it blew me away. blew me away. He was in Exodus chapter 18 and 19, and he said, everybody knows about Exodus 19. I mean, I don't mean to make you feel bad if you don't. If you were raised in church, you've heard about what happened in Exodus 19. If you weren't raised in church, I'll give you some hints and see if we can figure it out. There was this old man, and his name was Moses. 
right? And he left, in Exodus 19, he went up on top of a mountain, and he met with God for 40 days and 40 nights, and God gave him these two stones, and on those stones were written the ten commandments. That happened in Exodus 19, right? So we'll just say that that represents the Spirit, because the Spirit of God gives us the Word of God and helps us know how to live it out. That's awesome, right? But what this pastor taught us there in this, in this session was Exodus 19 never would have happened if it wasn't for Exodus 18. So, of course, you're like, we're flipping back to Exodus 18. What in the world is in Exodus 18? Here's what happens in Exodus 18. Moses' father-in-law came to visit. His name was Jethro. And Jethro is watching Moses do all of the ministry. And Moses is worn out from all the ministry. And his father-in-law said what you never want to hear your father-in-law say. What you're doing is not good, right? And Moses is like, what are you talking about? He said, it's not good. You can't do all this. You need to find men who can lead tens and hundreds and thousands and put them in charge of those numbers. What he's saying to Moses was, you need to have a system in place. And what this pastor taught us, which blew my mind, was when Moses did what his father-in-law, what I believe God was telling him through his father-in-law, when he did that, when he put that system in place, then Moses was able to go meet with God. And God gave the commandments to Moses to take back to the people of Israel, and he raised the entire body to another level. That's what happens when we have a system with the Spirit. Man, it raises the house up to an entire new level. They ran the wire, and they received the fire. And that's what we want, isn't it? There's a song that Jesus Culture sings. It was written by a man named Will Reagan. who sings for United Pursuit, and you're going to start to hear that play. And it just simply says this. Hey, God, you provide the fire, and I'll bring the sacrifice. And every time in Scripture, here's what we see. Every time God shows up in a big way, every time he shows up with fire, Before that happens, there's a time when he says, hey, go get the sticks. Go get the ram. Go get the bull. Go get the, you you build the fire, the altar, the place, and then I'll send the fire. In our big idea language, all that says is, you run the wire and I'll send the fire. And that's what we want. What does that look like? What, how do you run the wire in your, in your life? So I'm going to go all pastoral on you, right? I'm going to say the thing that pastors always say. And the reason that pastors always say this is because it's true. The way that you run the wire in your life is personally you're devoted to Jesus Christ. You do Bible study. You pray. You worship. You, you don't just do that on Sunday. You do that Monday through Saturday. I do that. It's our personal devotion. And that's where we run the wire in our lives. I'm telling you, when you run the wire in your lives, when you commit to those disciplines and habits, God always sends fire. He always gives us power when we do that. What does it look like for our church? Well, probably what it looks like for our church is that we're always experimenting. Do you hate that? I hope not. We're always tweaking stuff. We're always 
listening to people say, I'm not getting fed, right? Like we're always trying to figure out, is there a better way to do stuff? Not so that we can brag and say, we figured it out and we're the best church ever, but just because we want to have wires in place so that God can send fire and, man, life in us and through us to the city. That's what it looks like. And it all starts with, God, I just want to run, I just want, I want to have the wire in my life so you can just pour your spirit into my life. When you're under construction, it's good to build, right? It's good to put walls up and put wires in the walls, but what we really want is to be able to flip the switch and power comes on. We want to turn the power on. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I want you to close your eyes, put you to bow your heads, and I just want to ask you this one question. I want to finish today praying for those of you who have run the wire in your life, but you just don't feel like you got the power. And here's, here's how you'll know. You'll feel like you're going through the motions. That's, that's the proof positive that you are operating with a system without the Spirit is that you feel like you're going through the motions. It feels dry. You're doing the right things, but there's no passion there. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me? And I'm, I, I, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Thank you so much. Anybody else? There's nothing wrong with saying that's me. Thank you. Sometimes the best thing to do is just admit to God, like, he's thrilled that you're doing the right thing. He just wants you to do it with power. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you, if you've raised your hand, I'm going to ask you just to take one more step. And we don't do this all the time, but I feel like it's important today. I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you just to come and, and join me here at the front. I just, want to, I just want to pray with you that God would fill you, just like we're singing about right now, that he'd fill you with that power. And, and you won't be alone. There'll be people that come stand with you as well. Come on, if you raise your hand, just take that next step and just come stand with me. And let, let's just pray with you. Thank you so much.